Hey there, Purpose Peep. As you hopefully already know, I love to help busy moms build businesses they love while raising their babies. It's what I've dedicated myself to within my company, Brands by Brie. And over the past nine months or so, something I've seen is that while my method of one-on-one coaching has been able to produce some really awesome results with these phenomenal women, it seems like there's more that I can do after they finish working with me. During a survey I sent out, one of my clients said, I feel so pumped to get things done after our calls, but then I battle with self-doubt and motivation in between our sessions. No sooner had those words left her lips did I begin thinking through better ways to support these phenomenal women and help them stay motivated. I knew whatever solution I came up with had to provide ongoing support and be grounded in community so that these women can not only glean from me, but also be able to feed off of each other's energy. That's when I came up with the idea for a membership. It would give women just like you who might be listening to this an opportunity to come in, grow, make progress on their goals and build connections. My first thought was to call it the Legacy Builder Society, and you may have heard previous information about this here on the podcast, or if you're on my newsletter already, you may have seen something about this. But after doing initial research and not only realizing that several other people were using this name, but that the name was really broad, I decided to make a shift. And today, I'm excited to introduce you to the Master Your Momentum Membership. The Master Your Momentum membership provides busy moms with the support and accountability that they need to master their time, master their organization for like work and business, and master their productivity. Our core offerings include monthly goal setting, bi-weekly co-working sessions, and a signature course to help you get clear on the kind of life you want to create for yourself and your family. Because of course, I'm a mom, so I still have to tie in that piece on legacy. Bonuses include weekly productivity challenges. I'm so excited to get this out into the world and I'm working hard behind the scenes to get everything ready for my soft launch on March 10th. While it's not time to open the doors just yet, I wanted to let you know as a podcast listener so that you could have early access. And I'm giving you an invitation to join the launch list for this new membership. If you'd like to join the launch list for some sneak peeks and the first time and opportunity to join, as well as the best price, then all you need to do is go to bit forward slash Lee, my momentum launch, or you can visit the show notes and click the link. Again, everyone who is on the launch list will get early access. They'll be a part of that soft launch if they're interested, and they will get the best absolute price for the membership. If you're interested in joining the launch list, all you have to do is either click the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash my momentum launch. That's bit.ly forward slash my momentum launch. I am so excited about what this community is going to do for purpose chasers just like you. And I am highly expecting is going to just blow the roof off this thing. So I hope to see you inside the Master Your Momentum membership community. ladies welcome back to the podcast i'm so excited about today's conversation with ebony king also known as tabitha because people within tabitha's tea party always think that ebony's name is tabitha and she'll tell us a little bit more about her and her ministry in just a bit but uh we're just i'm really excited about this conversation because you all know for this season we're talking about transitions and as i was thinking about different people in my community my network i thought about ebony because she started 
started this ministry, Tap of the Tea Party, uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and then ended up moving to Atlanta. And I know that that can come with some kind of weariness and just kind of fearfulness of, okay, God, like, what if the people who need it here aren't the same people who need it in this other place that I'm going to? So I thought it would be really awesome uh, just to talk about that, because I'm sure many of you who are listening have experience that where you feel like you grow something up to such an awesome level and then God changes the game and you're like wait is it going to be the same is it going to be different am I going to be the same you know what things do I need to change and so uh, I'm really excited about this conversation so welcome Ebony well thank you for having me I'm excited about it too I'm excited to hear the questions you have and um curious to hear what my answers will be. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So tell people a little bit about yourself. Obviously, I've given a little bit of a preview. Yeah, um, so Ebony King, wife, mom, creative leader is really how I like to describe myself. Um, I like to remind everyone that I am a wife and a mom. I think people forget that sometimes because they see me doing so much. But my first ministry, my first priority is uh, my position as a wife. Uh, I honor that and respect that part of my life so much because I know being Ebony King has launched me into areas and spaces that Ebony Office could not get me into. Um, Ebony Office, Office is my maiden name. So I really, really like to honor that King aspect of my life. Um, I love my children. They keep me grounded and they teach me how to juggle. Um, so I always like to lead there. Um, and then I'm a creative leader. Most people know me as the founder of Tabitha's Tea Party, uh, where the T stands for Teach, Empower, and Apply. And at Tabitha's Tea Party, our mission is very simple. It's to empower women to rise from dead places. The ministry is named after a female disciple in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 9, verse 36 through 41. It tells the story of a, a female disciple who was known for doing good and helping the poor, and she died. Um, and then Peter came and laid hands on her, and he he just prayed and said, Tabitha, get up. And when I read that story, I was like, okay, God, I feel connected. You know, some people connect to Mary, some people connect to Ruth, some people connect to Eve, but I felt connected to Tabitha because for me, it was a reminder that women can be disciples. Uh, that's the only time in the Bible where I see the word female disciple. Um, and while most people have called me a first lady or a pastor's wife, ultimately at my core, I am a female disciple and I am called to other female disciples to empower them, to get up from dead places and to teach them how to lead as well. Um, in addition to that, oh gosh, my I feel like my biography is getting longer and longer each day. God keeps introducing me to new things. Um, I am a Black woman in tech. I lead a software sales team. Um, I like to say I lead a healthy, happy, high-performing sales team. It's end of year for us right now, so the pressure is on, uh, that's for sure. I've been in tech for about 15 years now, and I also have a consulting company, Think King Consulting Group, which um, I like to challenge people to think greater about the call over their life. And that's it. <laughs> she said that's it like she didn't just drop all these gems just those you know just those little things but I love what you're saying because what you talked about was that God added to you right God added the things and um, throughout this season actually we've been talking about the scripture that says know to whom much is given much is required um, and that's actually how I kicked the season off because I acknowledge that sometimes our obedience or our lack of obedience comes from this inner knowing of, okay, God, if I say yes to this, you're going to tell me to do more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to do more because I said yes to this. And then you're going to tell me to say yes to something else. Right. And I'm going to have to keep saying yes. Right. Like right. I was podcast yesterday and a woman was talking about helping these um, girls that she had come across. And she said, and they were, you know, in an impoverished situation. And she said, if we, she said, we could turn our backs on them and act like we never had saw them or anything. And she said, and we wouldn't be the first one. She said, but if we say yes to helping them, we can never say no again. We can never mm -hmm. not show up. And so I think that hmm. 
it, it can be intimidating, right? And I know that was the theme for Tabitha's Tea Party this year, right? Girls show up, like y'all talk yep. about doing up, staying up and then showing up. And so yep. how do you feel like, or what do you feel like empowers you to show up in those areas where you know God has called you to, even when you're looking at your plate and you're, you're, you talked about juggling, how do you say, okay, God, I'm not really seeing how this is going to fit, but I'm trusting you're going to guide me through it. That's a great question. Um, I think for me this year, and I'm still growing in this area, is that I found that knowing what not to show up to gives you space to show up for what God has called you to show up to. Uh, when I was living in Dallas, I used to have this, some people call it fear of missing out. Uh, and I, it wasn't necessarily fear of missing out, but it was just this uh this this idea that I had to be everything to everybody and I had to be at every birthday party. I had to be at every birthday dinner. I had to be at every function. And um, I just did not have a no in me. And this year, um, gaining my no has really helped me navigate my yes. It has helped me tremendously. And so I just... I've started to intentionally show up to the things that I know that I'm supposed to show up for. And I've just grown to be okay with having to say no to certain things and not uh, feel like I'm disappointing anyone or feeling obligated to anything and anyone, but really just wherever God sends me, that's where I'll be. I love that she said listen my my no game got very strong this year and I think you can let me know if you feel the same way I think as believers as female disciples like you talked about I think some of us have developed that mindset and the mentality that your yes is part of your discipleship like saying yes to everyone is what a good Christian woman does right mm -hmm. and and that's so it's a dangerous mindset because that's often how a lot of us end up getting burned out and sometimes even bitter because we feel like God is telling us to do all these things. And you're like, don't you see I'm tired? Don't you see? <laughs> Oftentimes he's like, girl, out of them 18 things you're doing, I just needed you to do three. Or it's one. Isn't that what Jesus said? Um, few things are important. Really only one. Um, when it when Mary and Martha was having a whole feud about who should be doing what, <laughs> yeah, and it, we really don't have that much on our plate. It's really what we choose to put on our plate, but it's not. Sometimes we're just putting more on our plate than we need to. Absolutely, and it ties back to where what we find our identity and our worth in as well, because if we're trying to find our identity and worth in how we're perceived by other people, that's oftentimes when we'll, we'll put more on our plate. Cause we're like, okay, I need to be the girl. It's funny. I just was talking to my husband about this. So I said, you know, I could spend six hours in the kitchen to be the scratch cook at the <laughs> end of the day. I did that for a year just to test it out. I'm like, okay, girl, let's get in this kitchen. Let's make some recipes. I said, and y'all didn't like half the things that I made. <laughs> And so I'm mad because y'all don't like it. And I feel like y'all are appreciative. But then I also have to say, well, y'all didn't even ask me to do that. I just thought that's what I needed to be doing. Because in that, you to do that. Right. No one, no one, no one. I promise you my, my, at the time, my three-year-old and my two-year-old, I promise you, they weren't asking me to scratch, make everything. They wanted grilled cheeses. And I was like, no, what we're going to do is we're going to eat this chickpea sweet potato medley. And they're just like, mm, no, not interested in that. And so we have to ask ourselves why we're doing what we're doing. You know, I have this um, free training on my website at brandsbybree.com. It's called the energy audit. And it allows people to go through this five-day experience where they're acknowledging what they're doing on a regular basis, why they're doing it, what they'd rather do instead. And I think that ties in directly with what you said. If I understand where I can say no, then my yes becomes very strong. And then I'm showing up in excellence. I'm not just showing up as checking something off of my to-do list, right? Yeah. 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 So that's and I think I think it's also about knowing that a yes last month may not be a yes this month. Mm. Um, 
I know we were talking about transition and one of the things that I've really had to come to terms with is that I don't live in Dallas anymore. Mm. And uh, Ebony in Dallas is not Ebony in Atlanta. And when I moved here, I tried to be both. And I, I just realized that I couldn't, I just can't, I can't be both. Um, and that's been a that's been a hard shift that I've had to make because not being both means that whoever was attached or did not grow or evolve with Ebony that moved to Atlanta also gets left in Dallas in a way. Um, or that that aspect of my life is also going to have to stay there as well. And that's been that's been a very, very hard shift to make. And that was actually, a, it's a great segue into my next question, because I was going to talk about, you know, we talk about transitions and we talk about evolving as people. What does that look like practically with relationships, with friendships, um, even with people who, you know, maybe were in Dallas when your organization got started, right? And how do you say, okay, I'm so sorry. Like, I love you so much. I promise I love you, but I really feel like this is where God is calling me next. And if you want to come to visit, you absolutely can, but like, this is a new place where I'm going. How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you pray through that? And again, what does that look like practically? I think you said it. I th it is, it looks exactly like how, how you said it. Um, and I mean, I feel like really what you said is identical to some conversations that I've had to have. Um, but I think the bigger piece of the conversation has been with me. It's it's not with the other people that's been, you know, doing my own soul searching, right? Um, I was having a conversation with my friends. I've been asking everyone, like, what do you think your word is for next year? What, you know, everyone always gives a word. I think most people do. Um and with Tabitha Tea Party, our word is empower, embracing my power. But for me personally, my word is reinvent or relaunch. And when God gave me that, I was just like, this, I feel like I, I've already done that, God. Like, I'm, I moved to Atlanta. You know, we, you know, I'm doing the Atlanta version of Tabitha Tea Party. Like, I mean, you don't get any more different than that. Like, I've reinvented myself. But what God was showing me, like I started, my memory started popping up. Facebook has a way of keeping you humble. Uh, and so my memories were popping up on Facebook and I was like, oh my God, this is the same hairstyle I had last year this time. Then another memory popped up and I'm like, oh my God, I wore those same shoes last year this time. And then another, another memory popped up and I'm like, oh my God, that is the same dress that I wore last year this time. And so... What I've noticed is that even when I think I'm different, I'm still conforming to the old version of me. It's still on default. It's still on auto autopilot. Um, and I'm really a creature of habit. And so even when I feel like I've changed or, you know, I picked up and moved, I still hadn't made some of the hard changes that uh, require a lot of soul searching and a lot of intentionality. And a question that I felt the Holy Spirit asking me is, who would you be if you did not build your identity out of comfort or scarcity? And that's been a very difficult question to answer, right? Who would you be if you weren't worried about going over budget? Who would you be if you weren't getting the hairstyle because it was convenient? Like, who would you be if you weren't worried about what this person would say or what this person would think? Like a huge part of my identity has been built out of a safe place. And I really think that God is challenging me to really come out of that safe place and do the things that I have deeply, desperately wanted to do, but I've just been too afraid to do them. And I think in doing that, it's going to have, I feel like your transformation will have the conversations on your behalf your transformation will have the conversations on your behalf I like that a lot and it makes me think of 
you know, something that's just that I've been thinking of as we've been talking is really the process of pruning, right? And mm-hmm. people who listen to this podcast, I always give this example, but my husband, when we first started dating, I mean, he still does uh, urban farming now, but we had a, well, not when we first started dating, when we first got married, we had a garden bed in front of our house and he went out one day and, and cut off three uh, tomatoes. And I was just so confused. I was like, those were, those look like some healthy tomatoes. And he said, yeah, but they're draining energy and resources from, you know, what I think is probably going to end up being the best tomato. Right. And I think similar to what you're saying, as far as creatures of habit and, and just things that are comfortable, a lot of times we do the same stuff just because we're like, Hey, this has worked so far. Why not, you know, go a little bit farther with it, right? Not understanding and not realizing that there's so much more God had for us if we were willing to prune those things and say, hey, this is, it's not that this is a rotten tomato. It's just draining resources from what I feel like the larger thing is, right? And like you said, it takes that intentionality and it takes that cutting back and it takes that discipline. It takes self-control, Um, It takes preparation. And a lot of times it's just easier to move on autopilot and do the things we've already done, because I think there is a a part of us that says, well, what if I try the new thing and the new thing doesn't work? Right. And and it, it ties into this next question. When you had your first tea party in Atlanta, what was your thought process? Right. Because, again, you know, Tabitha's tea party works in Dallas. It you have the facts, right? You have the data to support that. But this was your first time hosting something in Atlanta. So what were your thoughts when you were making that transition? And was there any fear of what if nobody shows up? So that's a great question. Um man, um when I hosted my first tea party in Atlanta. I had planned for a very small group. The venue that I booked, it it held maybe 15 to 20 women on the inside. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be perfect. No one knows me here. This would be a great way to like kick it off and, you know, have like a cute little small conversation. And then the registration just started like going crazy to the point where we had to move the tea party outdoors and that year our theme was prosper and I remember my message being get in the position of prosper um and I was just talking about how what where you need to go to have success may not be where another person has to be to have success and that's what that tea party showed me um I am one of those people that I have a tendency to play it small um, whereas a lot of people like desire growth, I'm always afraid of it. I'm always like, what am I supposed to do? You know, if, if I'm hosting something and it's supposed to be five people, like in my mind, I'm like, okay, I can prepare for the five. But if God says there's going to be 10, I'm like, what do I do with the 10? Like I wasn't ready for that. So I've always had to pray. My prayer to God is please help me with my fear of uh, heights. Um, I always pray that God, please help me with my fear of heights. I have, I have a crazy fear of heights where I know a lot of people like, they're like, I can't wait to get to the top. I am on the other hand, one of those people that's afraid of going to the top. And so I, because I'm afraid of going to the top, sometimes I try to like downplay a lot of things that Um, God has called me to do. I try to like fly under the radar. I try to kind of minimize it just because I am afraid of the growth and the exposure. So to answer your question, the thoughts that I had with that tea party was we're going to keep it cute. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to keep it small. And it was everything but that. (laughs) It was everything but that. Wow. I love that. But it, it, it makes me think of that scripture where Jesus says like, hey, don't sit yourself at the front only to be embarrassed. And then the the host of the party says, please go sit back there. Instead, Uh humble yourself, 
go yeah. sit at the farther chair and then let the host come and say, hey, no, come closer to us, right? That's good. Because I think I I have the opposite or have had in the past the opposite problem of like, Lord, you about to go crazy up in here. It's about to be <laughs> like my first event that I held for Black Girls of Purpose, it was a conference. And looking back, it clearly was not God, it was me. But I thought at the time the Lord was like 200 people. And I was like, bet. Like I went to this, uh, went to all these different places, different venues, ended up having it at my church. And when he said the capacity was 200, I was like, that's confirmation. Let's go. Like, blah, blah, you know, just (laughs) too ready. And 75 people ended up coming, which is still huge because I had never hosted an event for Black Girls of Purpose before. I didn't have a huge budget. Like, it, you know, I don't think, I think I charged like something crazy, like $15 for tickets, even though my operational costs were so much higher than that because my faith was big. And I was like, God, you gonna do it. Like, I just have too many signs. I mean, I got... I. My faith was so big. I got 200 box lunges because I was like, we need to just have it. And I love that yours was was based on, no, I started with this amount. We did registration and it showed me that I needed more. But I didn't even, it was like a week before and only 10 people had registered. And I was like, they coming, it don't matter. Like they coming, which mind you, even though 10 people registered on the day of, 75 people showed up, right? So that was still in that. But I, I, I just love, I love the way I love seeing it from your perspective. And I love uh, just, I always appreciate the diversity in the body of Christ and how God, like what, like you said before, what, what he needs to do to prepare or humble some people, he doesn't have to do for other people. So it's like, okay, if you're someone who's naturally humble or he knows you're not just going to run ahead of him, he's like, okay, let me push you a little bit farther. Right. And then for someone who, especially in that season, I was just running after everything. He's like, okay, my daughter love the faith. Let's, but like, let make sure I'm guiding you, not your own ambition, right? Not your own expectations. And then again, what we've talked about earlier in the episode, not you trying to prove to other people that you hear from the Lord or that, you know, God just got his favor on your life. Like your story will show that. Your, like you said, your transformation shows that. So I love that so much. When you were talking- think, when oh, you, No, go ahead. You, go, you can go. No, I was going to say, I think, if we're both being honest, right? Mm-hmm. Or what what seemed it sounds like humility was the driving force behind what I did, but it was really fear, right? And it sounds like faith is the driving force behind what you did, but it's really ego. Mm. And you know, a lot of times we that that goes back to having those, you know, having those soul searching moments and asking like, is this faith? Is this ambition or is this ego? Is this me trying to prove something to somebody? Um, is this humility or is this fear? Is this insecurity projecting itself on the calling that God has given me? And I think a lot for me, it's not humble. If I'm being honest, like it's not me being humble. It's really me just afraid. Like I said, I have, there is this, I have a fear of height. Right. And I always um, think of myself, well, not always, but when um, when the angel of the Lord went to, oh my gosh, what is his name? Oh God. Uh, Gideon. Yes. And and he called him a mighty warrior and Gideon was like, who are you talking to? That's me. Like, I'm the girl that's like, Mm-mm, you ain't talking to me. Like, I'm from the projects. Like, I didn't have it like that. I didn't. I didn't grow up in a church. Like I have a million and one reasons as to why I can tell God I'm not as mighty as you keep saying that I am. And so I have to be intentional. I have to always be intentional about uh, not playing it safe, not selling myself short. And so then like your challenge on the other hand may be the opposite where you have to be intentional about not overdoing it. But just like you want a little bit of what I got, I want a little bit of what you have because I do think about areas in my life where I'm like, man, if I had just trusted God just a little bit more, man, this would have been off the chain. Like, I hate that I got in my own way. And so, and I think that's that's what faith is, right? I think faith is trusting God to to give us humility when we need it. And it's trusting God to give us ambition when we need it. That's the real 
um, test of our faith is really trusting God to fill in those gray areas because those gray areas do look differently for everyone. Absolutely. I love that you put it that way. So in speaking of, you know, trying to step into these spaces and you, you talked about this in your blog this week, like knowing God is, is challenging you. And, and you. You. <laughs> how do you feel like, or do, I feel like I know the answer, but do you feel like having an organization kind of makes it easy to kind of hide behind it hide hide is a is not the best word but kind of it's like hey look how great Tabitha's tea party is doing as opposed to look at Ebony right and I and I've been to your tea parties you're very intentional about it being a group experience as opposed to look at this woman who had this event and she's telling us all the things right like y'all have your your mo your girl get up moments where people share out things that God's doing in their lives right you have different members of your volunteer team lead different parts of the activity for the day and so this is very clearly not the Ebony King show and, and, and but if you know that God is when you feel God calling you to to come out a little bit more like okay yes tap at this tea party but I also have things for you. What, how do you, how do you keep from being like, okay, God, no, let's just, and I, I know I'm kind of, but I'm just really trying to make sure I'm getting my question the way that it is in my head. How, I, I guess a better question is how, has there ever been a moment where you feel like God is calling you to do something as Ebony King, and then you try to link it to stuff that was going on with Tabitha's tea party and God was like, no, these are two separate entities. So yes, yes, to an extent, I feel like I have tried not to be Ebony King at Tabitha's tea party and God said, no, this is why I gave it to you. Uh, I didn't give it to anyone else. I gave it to you because I want your voice to, to go forth in this space. When I first started hosting um, the tea parties, the first year I never spoke. A lot of people don't know this, but I did not speak the first year. Uh, I used to um, give assignments to different people in the in the group, and they would all like they would brainstorm and put together a, a like a Bible study, and then we'll come together and they would share or whatever. And what happened with that in full transparency is that like we were having people come, but not everyone had the same understanding of scripture in the way that God had given it to me. And so then I started to get a lot of like uh, hodgepodges of, of um, translations of scripture. And I'm like, okay, that's not like that. You can say it for anywhere else, but let's not say it here it's, at Tabitha's Tea Party, like, if you see the scripture that way, that's great, but don't put our name on it, and I started to see that happen a lot, and then the following year, I was like, okay, well, maybe I have women who, you know, that ministry is not their calling, and maybe I was putting too much on them, so then I started, the next year, I started bringing in, um, um, like, first ladies and ministers, right, and the very first person that I had speak at our first tea party, when I, I tried to change the whole uh, system of it, her name was Pastor Tanya McGill. And she did such a phenomenal job at the tea party to the point where I was like, can you please come back and do every tea party after this? Like, please, 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 you're so good. Can you do every tea party? And she was like, oh, Ebony, your people need to hear your voice. And she was like, no, I can't. You need to learn how to teach. This is something that God has given you and he wants your voice to come forth. So I still kept hiding behind Tabitha's Tea Party and I kept bringing in all of these speakers. Um, but I would be, I would speak at the tea parties, but people didn't know that I was going to speak. So I never put my face on a flyer. I never put my name on the flyer. Like it will only show whoever the guest speaker was. And then when you got there, I slide in a little bit. Um, but for the most part, like from a branding perspective, you still didn't know the face behind Tabitha's Tea Party, but you would know like who's going to speak at that tea party. Um, and 
God kept telling me to stop hiding, stop hiding. And I think it was 2019 when I actually started putting my face on like flyers and things like that. But the truth, if I'm being completely honest, Brianna, the reason why I was hiding is because to your point, I didn't think that people would, were coming for me. I thought that everyone was coming for the guest speakers. Uh, and it was the tea party in Atlanta, the first tea party in Atlanta. I'm getting emotional thinking about it that I realized like people actually trust the God in me because people were flying in to be at that tea party. Um, and it, it blew my mind. I was like, wait, y'all are really like coming because you want to hear what I have to say. You're not just coming for my friends or coming for the photos or coming for the guest speakers because they didn't know the, the speakers here in Atlanta. Um, I was like, oh, wow, they're actually coming to hear me speak. And it's scary. It's very scary because I still have moments where I don't think that I am enough um, for it. And it is easier to hide behind Tabitha's Tea Party because for me personally, I just want people to get what they need, whether it comes from me or the person across the street, as long as you're getting what you need, it doesn't have to come from me. Um, and so it is scary to think that God is putting me in a position where he's saying, yeah, but I want it to come from you. Ooh, that was, yeah, I, I'm, I'm emotionally, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Cause it's just like, Wow, God. And again, it ties to what we said at the beginning is that there's responsibility attached to it. And then obviously we know ego and pride can creep up. And you know, I feel like that's why there's scriptures about pride. If God didn't feel like pride was an issue, he wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't address it in right. any word. He talks about pride coming before the fall. But I think being a leader also opens up your heart in a new way because you really start caring for the people that you're you're shepherding, right? Like a teacher, you talk about the that the gift of shepherding. It's often going with the gift of teaching. You're showing people the way that they're supposed to go, and so you develop this heart for God's sheep, right? Like, like God talked or Jesus talking to Peter saying, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And I don't know about you, but I think that vulnerability is also sometimes scary or just knowing like, okay, God, if I open myself up to these people, I'm really going to care. And because I care, if I see certain things, I'm going to have to act on those things that I see, right? Whether that means, okay, well, I need to come up with this new program or we need to, you might see a sister in need and you're like, okay, we need to come up, do it like a love offering for her. Cause she's going through this situation with family or, you know, it's just, it's just so many things and you don't know what that's going to look like, but similar to what you said at the beginning, that is where faith comes in because we can be like the disciples when they, when Jesus was feeding the 5,000 and be like, I only got these two fit. What is this supposed to do? Or we can say, okay, God, I know this isn't a lot. I'm acknowledging up front that it's not a lot, but I'm trusting that you're going to multiply it because I'm being obedient to you. And, you know, a scripture that came to mind when you were talking was second Corinthians four and seven, and it says, we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Right. And if you are really operating in humility and spending time at the father's feet. I feel like pride can only get so big because if you're truly seeking God, you understand, baby, this is not, this isn't from me. And I know again, having been at your, been to some of your tea parties, it's like my note said this, and then I opened my mouth and this is what the Lord says. So I guess this is what you needed. Right. Or, um, I actually felt like I had, you know, not so great notes, and then God made them even better, right? So I just I just love how much he loves to use us as broken people, us as weak people, us as people who are insignificant and 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 
you, like you said earlier, may not come from the best background, may not come from what a, 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 a woman of God that's leading people to Jesus and all that comes from, but it's, it's not so we can boast. It's literally so people can see the glory of God through us, where the thing that they think should discount us is actually what makes us shine even more because it's like, okay, I know it can't be her because I was with her when she was in high school and baby, I promise you, she wasn't doing none of this, right? She wasn't doing no teaching or, or someone who was just shy, and and then God uses them at their mouthpiece and they're like, oh my gosh, I never would have thought that this person would become a a a, a teacher, a preacher, a, 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 would have a podcast, would have a television show. Like that person who I, we could never even, we didn't even know what their voice sounded like for years because they never spoke. That's the person that God delights to use for his own glory. And I think if we recognize that, that it's for his glory, I hope that it also shifts our heart's posture and take and helps us to understand the pressure is not on you. Like all God needs is your obedience. That's so good. Yeah. So, good. so as we wrap up our time together, <laughs> what is something you would, you would say to someone who, you know, is really feeling that pull and that tug from God, like, Hey, yes, there was a season where I had you hidden because I was working on things in your life. I was helping you to be intentional. I was helping you to dig deep and, and kind of reveal some things and, and pruning you. And now I'm transitioning to you to this whether it be a larger platform or a different position at work or, you know, transition into expanding their family to be larger where they like, God, I'm barely making it with these two. And I, but I really feel like you want us to have a third or I don't feel like it. I got this pregnancy test back and it's like, okay, we're having another baby. You know, what do you tell that person who's looking at the transition that they feel like God is calling them to make, but they're telling themselves, I can't do it. I'm not going to be enough. I don't have enough resources. How do you encourage that person? Wow. Um, ma'am, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, God, I got less than me and all of you. Oh. So I think that this, my response to this may be just a little lengthy and it may be two part. So when I, when my husband and I got together, I'll never forget, we, we were living in an apartment. We had just gotten married. We were living in a two bedroom apartment and I was just like, oh man, this is perfect. This is enough. Like, I don't need anything else. This is great. For the two of us and my stepdaughter's in Houston, so she wasn't there all the time. Um, and it, it just seemed like the space was just right. And yet my husband went looking for a home and he found this, um, we found this five-bedroom home. And I just remember thinking, like, why? Why are we moving into this five-bedroom home? We do not need a five-bedroom home. Why can't we just stay? in this space like we're not going to be able to afford it it's not like how we're going to furnish it like I just remember discounting every aspect of that move and then we moved into the home and we furnished the home within the first couple of months and I was just like oh that wasn't so hard after all and then um I miscarried I got pregnant we we got married in July I got pregnant and we moved into our home in September I found out I was pregnant the day we were moving into our home, I miscarried in October. Um, and I remember sitting in the hospital thinking, like, this is it. Like, I've reached my peak. God, you know, this is, he said, this is enough. And then um, I remember my mom saying, this time next year, you're going to be pregnant. And I'm like, mom, that's impossible. There's no way I'm going to be pregnant. Uh, I still have to recover. I still have to heal. It's not going to happen. February, pregnant. Had my baby November um that the following year so just a month off just like my mom said that time next year I was pregnant um uh, one baby in the house two years later two babies in the house um two years after that three babies in the house and I'm just like wow I'm looking at this home and I'm looking at this space that I thought was too big 
for me. And I'm now looking at it like this is too small. And so I said that to say, like, sometimes we're looking at things from a scarcity mindset. We're looking at our future from such a limited perspective, like scripture tells us that we prophesy in part and we also see in part and whatever God is calling you to is. It may seem big until you step in it. Once you step into it, you're going to look around and go, oh, it's not that hard. Then you're going to keep walking and you're going to keep moving and you're going to keep being fruitful in that space. And then you're going to realize, actually, this space is too small, too. And you're going to outgrow that space. And so um, I would just say, just keep going. Just keep moving forward because it's God is so awesome and God is such a provider the spaces that you feel like are too big for you, they would just get smaller over time as you continue to grow in who he has called you to be. And even now when I look at the tea parties and I think about how we started in my media role with like seven or eight women, and now we're filling up venues and it's 70 to 80 women, which was my goal for conferences. We're doing conference numbers just in tea parties. And I'm looking around like, man, in this space is too small. And this space is too small. Just keep moving. Just keep going forward. Just keep going forward because you're going to even outgrow the space that you think is too big for you, whether it's a family, whether it's a career, um, a ministry, whatever it is, like once you step into it, you're going to outgrow it. So don't be intimidated by it is what I would say. Oh, wow. I just, that's so good. And you're so right. And I was, I was giggling to myself because I said the exact same thing. When we moved to Texas, we lived with my parents for almost a year and when we started looking at places, I was just looking at apartments. And my dad was like, Bree, you need to look at houses. And I was like, we can't buy a house right now. And he was like, okay, at least look at houses to rent. Because you're looking at these little one to two bedroom apartment. Well, at least two bedroom apartments. Because we had our we had two sons at the time. He said, what if you get pregnant again? Now you've outgrown it already. And like, sure enough. I mean, I got pregnant with our, our third son, Joshua, in 2020, and we had moved into our own place 2019. So it literally was what he said. But I thought the same thing. I, I literally said, how are we going to furnish it? So when you for you to say that exact thing, that was just, I know that was God. And <laughs> what is so awesome is it did take us longer. We were probably in our house without it fully furnished for about six months. But when we got furniture, it was all free. God at one of my sisters in Christ, she, her, her and her husband were moving into a, a new place and they were consolidating furniture. And she gave the couch I'm looking at right now, the, the love seat. She gave us that, the, this table, this, this uh, China cabinet, like free. And then my mom, I think just was so just inspired by the generosity of someone else. She was like, okay, I'm gonna get you some chairs and I'm gonna get you some pictures to put on the wall and I'm gonna give you this mirror. I'm gonna get, oh yeah, and you can have your, your desk that you used to have. And it just was like, looking at my own ability, right? It's not gonna make sense, we can't do it. And I will also say, I appreciate my husband because in that period of things not being furnished, I was really like, okay, well, let's just go and get something. Let's, let's go get on a plane. Let's go to rent a center or something. And he was like, no, let's just wait. Like, do we really need all of that right now? Like we have the big thing I wanted, which was a non-negotiable was beds to sleep in. We had beds to sleep in and I would make it cute. I mean, cause when I, when I tell you we didn't have a table, we did not have a table. So I would make pick, we would do picnic blankets with the boys and eat around our picnic blankets because it's like, yes, we could, I could go get a table in my own strength and be on a payment plan. And, and I can't even say my husband was like, hold on, wait on the Lord. We about to get a free table. But he was just like, does this need to happen right now in this very moment? And I said, it doesn't. It kind of goes back to what you're saying about that humility and timing. I was like, is this for me? Do I want a table for me? Or do I really feel like we're just pressed to have a table? And I was like, yeah, we don't really even need one. And then ironically, after we got our furniture, the pandemic hit and we weren't having people over anyway, but it was for us. <laughs> right we got yeah. to enjoy and I remember that first week of the pandemic when everything had shut down sitting on my couch and looking around at my fully furnished home and just being like wow God 
Look at what you did with the little that I had because you wanted us to be in this space. And I'm over here thinking we need furniture because we're going to be hosting this and that. And then you shut the world down. And it's so it's literally just for me just for me and my children to enjoy. What a faithful father where we think, okay, God's going to give me this so I can give it away. And sometimes he's like, yeah, there are things you're going to give away. And some stuff is just for you. Some mm -hmm. stuff is just for you because, because scripture says that a fa his, our father gives good gifts to his children, right? Like there's no attachment. There's no scriptures that also says that the, the blessing of the Lord enriches and he has no sorrow with it. He's like, no, this is just for you, for you all. And you guys were willing to wait and here, here's what you got from that. So that just blessed me so much, Ebony. And I know that's going to bless so many other people. And I love that you said, don't be intimidated by it because God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. If we understand everything we've been talking about through this whole episode, that God is the one who's guiding our steps, that he doesn't want us to walk in fear. He wants us to walk in faith, but he also wants us to have humility that understands he has to do the elevation. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to sustain it. Like it's, it makes you want to trust him more, right? It makes you want to be like, okay, God, I don't see it. So that's the reason why I want to do it. Cause I'm looking at what I can look at and it don't make sense, but there's just, you know, when God is consistently pulling you towards something, you start seeing it everywhere. Like that confirmation with the Facebook post, like, oh, snap, God, I thought I was different. Are you showing me in some areas? <laughs> I am very much the same. All right. Let's look at this reinvention again. Sorry, I told you that wasn't, I thought that wasn't you, but clearly this is you. So <laughs> that was just such a blessing. And I know this episode is going to be such an encouragement to so many people. And I just appreciate you sharing everything you share with me. And I'm just praying for blessings upon you as an individual, your family, and Tap at This Tea Party in 2023. Oh, thank you. You're thank welcome. you so much for having me. This, this was therapeutic. I actually needed it. So thank you. Blessings. Love it. <laughs> Hey there, if you've been a part of our community for a while, then you know I'm really big on encouragement because I feel like it has the opportunity to really transform your week. And so I have created a Black Girls of Purpose podcast playlist on Spotify for this Black Girls of Purpose community. I have over six hours worth of songs on there and they are songs that have encouraged me through different seasons of my life, songs that other people have recommended for me. And so if you need a great soundtrack for your day, for your week, something to listen to while you're working out or while you're getting ready to take care of things around the house or whatever the case may be, then go ahead and go over to Spotify, type in Black Girls of Purpose podcast, playlist and then enjoy it for free.